Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of The Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. know that your character rescues a guy from a tornado uh-huh. you like punched a tornado in the face and then pulled him out of the, <laughs> and then you pulled him out of the uh, rubble right, of his house let's start this what you know how they start you know how they start this week you made me watch the great race what did you think of it i liked it actually it was not it was um i mean it's an older movie obviously <laughs> came out in 1965 65 it's set in like the early 1900s like i believe it's set in 1909 yeah i was gonna say like 1910 i thought i was wrong but so close um and it's surprisingly has a lot of um themes that are still kind of relevant <laughs> yeah there's the suffragette movement going on yeah. And to think that 101 years later, we're still arguing about women being able to have (laughs) the same rights as men. Yeah. We're being equal to men. Women still have to deal with the fact that old white men are making laws about their bodies. It's really awesome. That's how I (laughs) felt when I watched Nine to Five, when I was like, oh, No, things haven't gotten better in the workplace. No, I mean, like, on paper, yeah, you're not supposed to do shit, but... Mm -hmm. So, uh, The Great Race is about a race from New York to Paris between The Great Leslie... Two stump performers, basically. Yeah, they're yeah. I, it's not really clear. What they both just do stunts, and they're like these big stunt performers. But yeah. it's like a big deal. Yep, it's the great Leslie played by Tony Curtis and Professor Fate, Fate. played by Jack Lemmon, who is amazing. Jack Lemmon is so good in this. He's so good in this, and then um, Peter Falk plays Max. Max, his, Jack Lemmon sidekick. Yeah, basically his his Igor. This is Jack Lemmon's favorite movie. I can see why. It is delightful. Yeah, he plays a dual role, mm-hmm. but he's so over the top in both roles. He is insane. Like, because the prince is this very eccentric, like, sort of a little bit like Arthur. Like, where yeah, he's a like, lot like Arthur. Where he's just drunk. And so, like, but, like, happy, but everyone around him is super annoyed (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) that he's just trashed all the time. And then as Professor Fate, he's, you know, a generic villain, but he's so, he hams it up. He's such a cartoon. And Peter Falk, too, as his sidekick, who you- super young Peter Falk. Super young Peter Falk. And him doing a slapstick comedy where, like, we all know him from Columbo, where he's this, like, hard-boiled detective. And here he is, (laughs) like- 
I don't know. Playing trying a goofy to, henchman. Playing yeah. a goofy henchman, like trying to fly a plane and just doing all kinds of ridiculous stuff. You did point out that Professor Fate and Snidely Whiplash were very, very similar, which I guess it is just kind of an archetype, that sort of villain with the black Yeah, hat the black and hat the, and the, the mustache and the dark clothes and like kind of a suit. Right. Um but Snidely Whiplash is not who is is not based right, on. Right, he him. was the one that was like tying the girl to the uh Yeah, it was uh, Dudley Do Right. Right. And Snidely Whiplash. Yep. But there was a cartoon based on this movie. It was The Wacky Races that came out in 1968. Mm -hmm. So three years afterwards. And Dick Dastardly and his sidekick, Muttley, who, when you get drunk, you laugh like Muttley. Do I? Yes. When I get all like... Oh, yeah, when I get all whiskey laughy. Right. They were based on Professor Fate and Max. And then Penelope Pit Stop was based on Maggie Dubois, played by mm. Natalie Wood. Okay. And Peter Perfect was based on the great Leslie. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Aw. So even cute. though the movie, uh, well, the movie was super, super expensive. I can see why. The studio just broke even on it. Wow. It was very... The cars, first of all, had to have been insane. Because even like Professor Fate's car, like it had to have those hydraulics that like lifted the vehicle up in the air. Mm. And, you know, you could tell that it wasn't just like, oh, you know, we'll just do a miniature of it. <laughs> like, no, it was it was clearly like they had to have a car with hydraulics like that. Yeah. Because they drove it around too. Like Max drives it around. and There were multiple vehicles made, I guess, for the Hannibal 8, which is Professor Fate's vehicle uh-huh. and the Leslie special. And it's hard to tell on IMDb where they are currently because mm-hmm. I guess they've changed hands from owner to owner. Yeah. But one of the places that they were was right here in Michigan mm-hmm. in uh, Chesterfield in the uh, Stahls Automotive Foundation. They had a museum or they have a museum in Chesterfield mm-hmm. and I guess Tony Curtis, Natalie Wood, Jack Lemon, and Peter Falk autographed the cars. Oh, wow. Yeah. that's. Re- I hope they're still there. I'd like to go see them. Yeah, I would kind of like to go see them that too. That would be really neat. Yeah. They, um, so Jack Lemon and Tony Curtis are these Don performers and kind of rivals and for whatever reason tony curtis proposes that there's a race and there's a lot of entrants like there's a lot of people who enter it but they all get knocked off in the very beginning of the race by professor fate so it ends up only being the two that are racing to paris yeah because max sabotages all the other cars yeah which apparently they couldn't just fix the cars. And yeah, I guess they were like, I guess yeah. we're done. <laughs> like yep. everybody else gave up. And then Natalie Wood plays a, a reporter. young reporter. Maggie uh, Dubois. Maggie Dubois, who um, wants to cover the race, but they don't, they're not allowing press. So she enters the race in order to do press on it. She ends up getting her job at the newspaper by handcuffing herself to the men's door. Right, but then becoming friends with the publisher's wife. Yes, because they're both suffragettes. Who was played by... uh, Vivian Vance. From... I Love Lucy. Yep. There's another um, neat cameo in it that I saw his name at the beginning and I was like, oh, I know his name. It's Denver Pyle. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I saw that Denver Pyle played the sheriff and I didn't recognize him at all. Mm-hmm. But Denver Pyle, I know you didn't watch the show, but I did a lot, was Uncle Jesse on the Dukes of Hazard. 
oh yeah you told me that you're like he was on dukes of hazard i'm like i don't know sorry i didn't watch it this is definitely one of those who's who of character actors yes too yeah Texas Jack, I was telling you this story, was played by Larry Storch, who was on uh a television series called F Troop. Mm -hmm. And Ken Berry from uh, Mama's Mama's Family Family, ended up on that show, too, even though his agents didn't even want him to audition for it because he's a song and dance man and he wanted to do more of that kind of stuff. But he really wanted to work with Larry Storch, and he was so happy that he got to become friends with them. And Larry Storch is still alive. Oh, neat. As of this recording. God, I hope he stays alive. Yeah. He was born in 1923. Wow. So, you know, he's 97 years old. You know what? I hope he lives to be 127. Yeah. He deserves it. He was very funny. He was a very good, just like, classic villain. I loved his mustache. It was hilarious. Oh, yeah. He had a very long handlebar mustache. It was really funny. They basically, um, as they're going around the world in this race, hit a few hiccups. There's one where they're they're in a snowstorm (laughs) and they park you know, just kind of in the middle of this blizzard to, you know, sleep for the night. And when they wake up in the morning, they've accidentally ended up on an ice drift. Mm-hmm. So they, they're they just on this block of ice, lost at sea. Which that was shot on the largest soundstage at Warner Brothers. Really? Which isn't that the soundstage now that they use for the Ellen show? I, I can't think remember. so. I remember we saw it's that either one. that or it's for the voice. I thought the the voice was at Universal. Oh no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Warner Brothers is the is where the Ellen Show is. I think you're right. Yeah, I'm scared of Ellen. Actually, I'm not scared of her. I'll shit talk her right now. <laughs> She's about to get canceled anyway. Right. <laughs> well, who knows? By the time this comes out, she may have been canceled. Yeah, I remember when we went to go to her. So they took us on the set of the Ellen Show, and they had like. You know, they let us go in the green room and like the staging area where they have like the audience hang out before mm-hmm. they can go in. And then there was like the little rooms and they had like little fo- like food out. And the I felt so bad for the guide because she was like, don't touch anything. Guys, seriously, don't touch anything. And then we go out and, you know, onto where the stage is. And some guy that was in our group like started to touch like the fake foliage. And she's like, don't touch it. <laughs> And I was like, I, like you could just hear the fear in her voice. And we personally know like two people who have had a negative experience with her. Yeah, we know two people who were fired because of fire. Ellen. Yeah, yeah, one from a comedy show before she was, you know, back in the what nineties, eighties, eighties. You know, before she really made it that big, and um, another got f- <laughs> another was a comedian in L.A. who it was her waitressing job. She'd worked there for three years, and because she had chip nail polish, Ellen had her fired. Yep. So everybody who thinks Ellen's really nice because she gives out ten thousand dollar checks, I looked up how much she makes per episode. It's like five hundred thousand dollars. Ten thousand dollars is nothing. It's in the budge. It's in the budget, y'all. She has done a lot of good for like the LGBTQ plus community. Yes. So, I mean, she's not a fully evil human She's being, not a tyrant, but, but she's not. I mean, she's probably a tyrant, but she's not without good qualities. She's just not a very nice person, even though she claims to be that. Yep. Yeah, the production budget of this made it the most expensive movie ever made at the time. Ooh, ouch. 
Did this come out before or after Cleopatra? Oh, good question. We don't have to keep in all that Ellen shit. I just had to get it off my chest. <laughs> this came out two years after. <gasps> oh Cleopatra. my God. So it was more expensive than yeah, Cleopatra. Because <gasps> so. Cleopatra, even though it did very well at the box office, was still considered a bomb because it cost so much money to make. So this movie came out, and I mean, it's very pretty. There's like the section with the prince where they end up in this European country where uh professor fate it turns out looks exactly like this prince so the prince is i don't know the people that work for him right <laughs> i don't know what that's called his major domo his major domo <laughs> um his bib fortuna exactly they kidnap professor fate so that he can when he as he's being having his coronation to be king he can renounce it and give relinc- it to the baron I give guess. it to the baron yeah and uh, they're like, you do that and, you know, we'll help you with the great Leslie. And <sighs> it doesn't work out as planned. You know, it took Cleopatra until 1973 to make its money back. <gasps> oh, my God. Yikes. Yeah. Oh, that's a major blow. There were a lot of stunts in this movie, too, which I would imagine is probably why it cost so much. Oh, yeah. The barroom brawl. The barroom brawl. The pie fight. The pie fight is the longest pie fight, according to the Guinness Book on film. Mm -hmm. It's four minutes long, and it took five days to film. Oh, my God. And they filmed it over the course of a weekend, and they used real pies. So all the pies in there got, like, spoiled and nasty, and it just stunk to high heaven. Blake Edwards made this, and he was hot off of doing a couple Pink Panther movies. Mm-hmm. It's a very fun movie. Like, you were telling me that you really loved this as a kid. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see that. Because I remember being a kid and really loving um, Singing in the Rain. How do you think it holds up compared to Singing in the Rain? Because you still love Singing in the I Rain. I do still love Singing in the Rain. Um, I mean, I think... Like I said, there's a lot of things that are still very much true, even though they were set in, you know, 1909, Mm -hmm. like the suffragette movement. Like, obviously, we're still in the middle of a very political movement right now. So I think I felt like it kind of holds up. I mean, because Natalie Wood is very much like she describes herself as an emancipated woman. And I think it was really nice to see someone who was like, I don't need a man, even though... Yeah, she eventually does fall for she eventually, the great uh, Yeah. I mean, it's still nice to see someone who stood, you know, held her own against men in a movie. Right. You know, she had to charm her way through this race. Yeah. You know, because her car breaks down pretty early. And, you know, she ends up getting a ride with uh, the great Leslie. And then she gets a ride with Professor Fate. And then she gets a ride with the great Leslie. Like, she really, like, has to just use her wits to get through this race because she doesn't have a car. If they remade this today, who do you think should play Maggie Dubois? You know, and this might be a weird choice, but I feel like Aquafina would be awesome. Oh, yeah? Yeah. She's more like takes no shit more so than charming. Yeah, but I feel like, I know you didn't see it, but she's in Crazy Rich Asians and she's so funny Mm -hmm. and very like charismatic. And I don't know. I feel like she could be silly and still very much make her way through this race. Right. I've. That's well, who I think I would like to see as Aquafina. You an Asian. I, uh, I picked someone who played an Asian once. Oh, no. I think Emma Stone would be really good. <laughs> yeah, she'd be really good. I still stand by my choice. I still feel like I yeah. would love to see Aquafina. I think Zac Efron would make a really good Great Leslie. Yes. Just like the first scene when he smiles and his tooth 
like goes, just the ding, ding, you know, and they do a little like shimmer on his teeth. I really feel like Aquafina would be great marching into some newspaper editor's office and being like, "All right, so here's what's going to happen." Who could play Professor Fate nowadays? Ooh, <sighs> hmm, that's a great question. Oh, I just got the perfect one. You say it first. You just, I just got, you got a look to, on your face. Yeah. You say yours. The Rock. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Sasha Baron Cohen. <gasps> no, you're right. Sasha <laughs> Baron Cohen. Yeah. I just think the, because The Rock can be really funny, but Sasha Baron Cohen and like Jason Manzukis. Jason Manzukis. As Max. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I would like to see Jason Manzukis as both Professor Fate and The Prince. <gighs> he would be bonkers. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Man, Manzoukas is awesome. He's so funny. Everything I see him in, he's so great. To cast a shadow on this movie, Mm -hmm. Natalie Wood did not want to make it at all. Yeah, you were telling me that. Jack Warner really wanted her in it, and I guess they suggested maybe Tony Curtis give some of his royalties to her, and Mm -hmm. he was just like, no. Yeah. She didn't want to do it because she worked with Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis before and had a very unpleasant experience. Yeah. And I didn't tell you this part. Hmm. This gets even worse. Oh, no. So when she was making the movie, The Great Race, Mm -hmm. she had such a miserable time that she'd call off production as much as she could possibly get away with. She was that miserable. Mm. And when it wrapped, she overdosed on sleeping pills <gasps> and almost died, according to her sister, because oh she just needed to decompress from the miserable time she had on this movie. Oh, she's so good in it, though. Yeah. Seeing her in this, and I don't know that I know a lot of Natalie Wood movies. Like, I never saw I only knew her West from, Side Story. Yeah, that's, and that's I've never where I seen knew her from. Rebel Without a Cause. No, I haven't seen that either. Or Splendor in the Grass. Oh, you know what? I saw Splendor in the Grass in high school. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think this is the only Natalie Wood thing I've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Besides, she was in an episode of Heart to Heart. Or no, I thought she was like in, on the show. Or was that um, Robert Wagner was Heart to Heart? It was Robert Wagner, her. Okay. Husband. Um, husband, yeah. Okay, then I guess she was on an episode of a show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not really super familiar with her acting, but in this, she's really good. She's so charming. You know, she really has to be a woman who stands up for herself. Mm-hmm. And she does it in a way where you're like, yeah, that's definitely like who she is. Because this could have been horribly miscast, you know, just because they wanted a name. You know what I mean? Like, she right. was definitely able to like carry that part yeah she really did during the scene where they're in the storm mm-hmm. when they're crossing uh into uh siberia yeah and there were the rough waters i was like oh weird foreshadowing oh yeah yeah i kind of cringed a little bit <laughs> you know who else was really good in this was keenan Wynn, who played hezekiah Hezekiah was great. And he's one of those chameleon type actors where mm-hmm. I'm looking at all these pictures of him from other things that he was in. Like he's in Dr. Strangelove, Annie Get Your Gun. Mm-hmm. But his mustache it, just looks completely different. Look at the main picture of him for IMDb. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like I can't stop saying it. His mustache, honey, it was immaculate. Yeah, it was off the hook. It was off the hook. Like I was, that's what I looked at every time I looked at him as I was like, how did he grow that thing? It's yeah. beautiful. 
It was beautiful. Yeah, I guess he um, lost his hearing later in life. Oh, really? And then became kind of a philanthropist, uh, raising money for different charity groups. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, he was, um, is it the great Leslie? Or is mm-hmm. the ama- I can't remember. I want to say the amazing Leslie. I don't think that. So the great Leslie, he's basically like his, not really sidekick, but like his partner. Like the great Leslie is definitely like the face of the duo, but mm-hmm. Hezekiah really comes off as like a partner and not really like a crony, kind of the way Max is. Yeah. Yeah. Hezekiah is definitely much more like an equal yeah. sort of. Yeah. And he's, he's great too. He's kind of the one who's in Tony Curtis's ear saying like, don't trust her, you know? Yeah. And then he's totally right. And then he's totally right. He's, he's basically the, he's the conscience. He's the voice of reason mm-hmm. through most of the movie. You know what Tony Curtis's real name is? What? Bernard Schwartz. Bernard Schwartz. Isn't that funny? That is kind of funny. Yeah. Because it's nothing like his real name. Yeah. There was a lot of that, though. I mean, that still happens. Here's a subtle joke in it that I really enjoyed. Hmm. Professor Fate used... The telescope. And Max used binoculars. binoculars. And Peter Falk has one, one eye. Uh, yeah. Oh, you're right. I would laugh every time Peter Falk would hold up binoculars. I'm like, he's... You should have given him the telescope. <laughs> Yeah. One of the things that I liked, and I think this is very much like shows that this is an older movie, is they would have kind of um like a mid frame of what is it like a medi like a medium shot of Professor Fate and Max like in a car or in a plane or whatever, mm. and that would have the scenery behind them, which was clearly like just projected. Oh yeah, behind them, and the acting the two of them had, where they were basically just looking towards a camera nothing practical is really happening they're just in whatever they're in is so funny they were so hysterical together i didn't realize until watching it this time that the polar bear that's in the car with Mm. them is also one of those things that's projected behind them oh really yeah oh yeah when i was a kid i remember watching this going like oh my god it would be so cool to be in a car with a polar bear (laughs) not realizing that polar bears are the most vicious creatures they're the meanest ones like they say um regarding bear attacks brown get down you know like get down pretend to be dead black attack so you gotta like make yourself big and be like ah and white there's nothing because you're gonna die white take flight (laughs) (laughs) up to heaven (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's what it is i just remember them being like there isn't one for white because you're gonna die did you know that polar bear skin is black? I did know that. Oh, okay. That's why they have black noses, and their fur is actually translucent. It just looks white. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you ever see the test footage for certain special effects scenes for Star Wars, like the land speeder with Luke and C-3PO, where they do the rear projection like they do for the Great Race? <laughs> no, I don't think I saw that. Oh, it's that. so bad. <laughs> It looks so much better in The Great Race. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, too, the way that, to keep it on Star Wars for some reason, technology kind of comes around because The Mandalorian is basically shot the same way, too, where instead of green screens, they're projecting the backgrounds and stuff Mm -hmm. on the screens behind the actors, which ended up being good because when the Mandalorian gets the Beskar armor that's totally shiny, Mm -hmm. if it was green screen, then they'd have to go through and like take out all the green reflections. Mm -hmm. But because they shoot it with the actual footage behind them, Mm -hmm. his helmet's actually reflecting the environments and stuff. Yeah. So it is kind of neat the way the technology 
has gone full circle on that. Yeah, that is really neat. I think that kind of tends to happen with lots of like special effects. Mm-hmm. Like how for a while it was like, we only do CG. CG right. is it. Like it used to be just practical effects. That's all you could really do. And then just CG. And then they realized that the best thing to do is to marry the two. Exactly. And, you know, that's what makes it look real. Mm-hmm. So your dad, when I told him that we watched this, mm-hmm. was like, why? <laughs> I was like, because it's a fun movie. And your dad suggested that we should have watched It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World instead, which came out two years before this. And maybe the reason The Great Race didn't make all the money that Uh it could have is because it's sort of a knockoff, I guess, of It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World, where It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World is also about like a around the world, you know, kind of race thing. So I think on one of the You Made Us Watch episodes, we'll have to watch It's a Mad, 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 Mad World because I've never seen it. I've never seen it either. I'm I'm down for it. It's a fucking marathon of a movie, too. Is it really? God, How yeah. long is it? How long is it? Is it longer than Waterworld? Waterworld was like three and a half weeks long. It was so long. We don't hate you, Johnny. We don't hate you. It's just, that movie sucks so bad. Yes, it's longer than Waterworld. Oh, How long it's longer it? than the Ulysses cut of Waterworld. Shut the fuck up. How long How is How long is too long? Three and a half hours. Is it four and a half hours? It's three and a half hours. Oh my God. That's so long. It has Spencer Tracy, Milton Berle, Ethel Merman, Mickey Rooney, Sid Caesar, Buddy Hackett. Is there an Dick intermission? Sean. Oh, I'm sure there's. The Great Race had an intermission, so maybe we can watch one half one night and the other half the other night. Yeah. Because The Great Race had intermission, which I, I missed that about. Like, I didn't realize how much I missed that about movies and how much I think that should be a thing in movies now mm-hmm. because i have to pee <laughs> like every single time like it doesn't matter i'm like okay i'm not gonna drink anything until then welcome end of- to getting close to 40 dude this is bullshit i have to pee all i get up like three times a night to pee oh wow and you know why because i pee and then i'm like oh, my mouth is so dry so i drink a bunch of water oh and then i have to pee again i just I have snore. to pee immediately when i get home <laughs> every time oh yeah the second we pull in the driveway it's like your bladder is like hey we're about to burst you better get in the house like you've almost knocked me over running into the house to pee before there are times that i have to physically restrain myself from pushing out of the way so i can get to the bathroom (laughs) sir dorothy provine who played lily olay in the great race Mm -hmm. is also in it's a mad 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 world and she's the the singer right yeah she's the showgirl i don't know if i would say showgirl she's in like a full gown yeah she just has like a feather boa also every lady in this movie, they see Tony Curtis and they make out with him. I don't like that. You don't like that? I, didn't was, I wasn't into that. I was like, okay. Like, I know his teeth did that, like, ding, shiny thing, but I don't know. He's not the only guy there is, is all I'm saying. Also, he was kind of a sleaze bag. Oh, he was a super sleaze bag. Like, here's... So, I know he's supposed to be the hero of the movie. But he's a jerk. But he's a jerk. I thought Hezekiah was way better. Mm-hmm. And my favorite part of the entire movie, honestly, was Professor Fate and Max. Oh, yeah. They were the best part of the whole movie. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. When you were a kid, did you like the great Leslie? Well, I mean... Or were you just like, yeah, he's the good guy? I mean, you know how I am. I always kind of... When I watch Star Wars... 
I care more about Han Solo than I do Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And, you know, like, I have an Imperial insignia on my car, not a Rebel insignia. I I just kind of like the bad guys. Yeah, that's true. And what really makes Professor Fate a bad guy? Like He's He's just grumpy. Yeah, he's just a grouch. And I was telling you this, too, that because I didn't know that many people with mustaches back Mm -hmm. then when I saw this movie, and my dad had a mustache, Jack Lemmon as Professor Fate reminded me so much of my dad. I could see that. Especially because my dad would have sort of like, he would wax the tips of his mustache. Yeah, even as he got older, he would still kind of, like, he wouldn't really put wax on it, but he'd still kind of sharpen them a little bit on the edges. Yep. Yeah, I can see that. Honestly, Jack Lemon, just his the, his facial expressions the entire movie were amazing. Like, I think you could turn the sound off and still enjoy Jack Lemon's scenes oh, yeah. so much. Yeah, absolutely. Because, in fact, Blake Edwards, who directed this, mm. wanted to make this kind of a love letter to the silent films. Really? So, yeah, you're absolutely 100% correct on oh, that. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. And even though... You know, I was wrong because I was like, you were like, oh, you know, they made a a, a cartoon based off his character. I was like, was it Snidely Whiplash? You were like, no. (laughs) You know, it was Wacky Racers because I used to watch um, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. I still 100% just see Snidely Whiplash. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you're right. It's an archetype. But he became a cartoon. It was so amazing. He became. And even when he's the prince, even when he's the prince, he's a cartoon. What I like, too, is when he is Professor Fate dressed up as the prince. Like You can still tell. Yeah. You can tell that he's Professor Fate because just the little things he does with his face. Mm-hmm. And his posture. And, yes. Yeah. Like, he is 100% two different characters, even though he's playing two people who are supposed to, like, one is supposed to be impersonating the other. It's not seamless. Even though he has the tools to perfectly impersonate the prince, he still is Professor Fate. It's- yeah. Jack Lemmon <sighs> is a great actor. Yes. It is funny to see Peter Falk so young in this god how old was he he was born in 1927 so that means when this came out he was 30? under four yeah he was like 37 maybe? 38 38 yeah if my math is right yeah 38 and then to think that this goofball becomes the grandpa and the princess bride yeah the grandpa and princess bride and like columbo he's columbo there are two things that my dad used to make me watch all the time the Rockford Files and Columbo. Every time I see Peter Falk, all I want to do is say, and one more thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. He's, and he's so, he's so good. He's so great at just being like so slapstick and so silly. Just looking at Jack Lemon's career, too. Some like huge things that he did. Glenn Gary, Glenn, Glenn Ross. Ross. Yeah, I know him from that. The apartment is really great. Mm-hmm. Some like it hot. Grumpy old men, of course. Grumpy Odd Old couple. Men is... Kind of, oh, that's right. The Odd Couple. I always forget about that one. 12 Angry Men. I remember him in 12 Angry Men. And I remember him from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Because you think he's the good guy the whole time. Yeah. Spoiler alert. He's not. They don't make actors like Jack Lemmon anymore. You know, because some of the first times that I saw Jack Lemmon was like Grumpy Old Men. Um, and mm-hmm. wasn't there one... Was he in The Candidate? Was that what it's called? Or like My Fellow Americans. I think that's what it was. Oh, yeah. The one about the uh, all the presidents? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where he's like running for president or something like that. My Fellow, fellow Americans. Americans. It's the one... It's the buddy one about Jack Lemmon, um, James Garner, Nerd, and Dan yeah. Aykroyd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are all U.S. presidents? Mm-hmm. 
you know, your buddy James Garner from Rockford Files. Yeah. Yeah. But like, that's kind of how I knew him was like as an old guy. I feel like I just got used to him as an like an old dude Mm -hmm. in stuff. But over the years, I've, you know, seen many more of his films. And I just am like, oh, man, he was really like he wasn't always just like an old guy playing an old guy. He was this incredibly talented actor, very versatile. Yep, Natalie Wood did not do her own singing. Who did her singing? <laughs> oh, it was someone who was oh, just some known for doing backup vocals on some big hit. Mm. But she sings in West Side Story. Oh, does she? I thought so. Hmm. Maybe they were able to drown her out <laughs> yeah. because it's a musical. I'm glad that you enjoyed this. I did. I thought it was really fun. It's very silly. This was such a staple of my childhood. That's so sweet. Good job. And it's one that I'm, I think Benji will enjoy. Yeah, I think he might like it. It's very pretty. It is. That's one of the things I um, really love about some of the older movies is that they use very vibrant colors. Oh, yeah. The Technicolor. and Yeah. yeah. They have these. <sighs> Edith Head did all of Natalie Wood's costumes. Oh, really? Yeah. <sighs> I think she had something like 19 costume changes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Her costumes were so bright. I mean, she had like a black dress. At one point, but she had like yellow and pink and red, these very bright, bright colors. I would have really liked to have seen what Natalie Wood's career would have turned into. Yeah. I mean, I know like at the time of her death, her career kind of slowed down a little bit. I don't know. I really think she would have had a lot to offer and really would have made some some great movies. Died too young. Yeah. R.I.P. Natalie Wood. R.I.P. Natalie Wood. You being a true crime person. Mm hmm. What is your theory about her death? Well, I honestly am not sure because she had been drinking. So I can see how she honestly could have fallen off the boat. And like after a fight, you know, she was fighting with her husband. He might not have gone after her. And if he was drunk, too, he might have just passed out. Oh, yeah. So I would hate to think that either one of those men murdered her. I genuinely think it was a a tragic accident. I think she was mad and she was going to take the dinghy and go because she wanted to go sleep in the hotel. Yeah. So I think she was drunk and mad and was having a hard time getting on the dinghy and fell and just couldn't resurface. I think there's probably a little bit more to the story. And I think it's probably one of those things where a studio fixer, like cleaner Mm -hmm. type, like Ray Donovan type guy came in and cleaned things up. Mm -hmm. But I don't necessarily think Robert Wagner or Christopher Walken murdered her. Definitely not Christopher Walken. No, I don't think Christopher Walken. I think Christopher Walken was just like, this is really awkward. I'm just going to stay in my room. Yeah. And no matter what he heard, he was just going to stay in his room. I think it's possible that maybe Robert Wagner might have like hit her. Yeah. Or, you know, like that they might have gotten into some kind of a physical fight. Mm -hmm. But I think it was just a tragic accident. Next time it's your turn to pick a movie. (laughs) I think you have a pretty good track record of introducing me to movies that I ended up liking and movies that I'm surprised that I ended up liking. That's good. Yeah. Um, so I guess I should apologize in advance for me. You watch Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> oh, I think your track record ends. It's over. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us uh, wax poetic. Yeah, we're tired, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm not super tired, but... I'm exhausted. I can tell. Yeah. Well, you were crying earlier. 
I love you so much. Thank you for listening to You Made Me Watch. Mm-hmm. We'll see you guys again next week with another movie. So until then, bye-bye. Bye. Yeah.